Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 16 of our podcast here. Uh, there's a little bit of a change up. We have some great news, but I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but this time I'm joined by both of my lovely co-hosts, uh, joined by Mike Lane of Kitsune Bonsai. How you doing, Mike? Hey, guys. How's it going? And my other co-host, uh, Carmen lesko Vinansky. Oh, was it close? Tell Not really. Close. Damn it. All right. All right. Whatever. Okay. Maybe <laughs> on the maybe next attempt. Uh, Carmen is the current apprentice at Michael Hagedorn's Cartagus Bonsai Garden in Portland. How are you doing today, Carmen? I am well. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime. That's what I'm here for. To ask people how they're doing. Uh, today, we'll be discussing starting with young material versus older material. And if we can reverse engineer older material and learn from working with those or how's working with younger material more beneficial. Sound about right, guys? Sounds fun? Sounds yes. good. Yep. Uh, before we get started with that, I do need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by Underhill Bonsai Nursery, Louisiana's premier bonsai nursery. If you'd like to support our show, please subscribe. Please follow on your favorite listening platform. And make sure we say that uh, it, it helps the show out, gets the algorithm up. So that'd be awesome. Go to uh, uh, go to your platform underneath our name. You should see follow or subscribe. Smash it. You know, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, uh, don't smash the phone. Yeah, just smash it. <laughs> just just press firmly on the phone and it will subscribe for you. I promise. There you uh, go. If, if you would like to follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you can go to my name, Evan Pardue, or you can go to Underhill Bonsai on Facebook, follow us and like us on there. We also have an Instagram page, like I said before, on the same name, or you can go to underhillbonsai.com and you'll see our storefront and all the good stuff on there, blog posts that I do. For Kitsune Bonsai, for Mike, you can go to, oop, did I get it wrong? Get it wrong. Kitsune. Kitsune Bonsai. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can go follow uh, Mike Lane's Kitsune Bonsai there. Um, and also you can sign up, uh, do you have any newsletters or anything on yours, Mike? Uh, we will be doing newsletters, uh, because we have a, a whole list of classes that we're offering, uh, but awesome. currently we don't have a newsletter now. Okay. Well, there will be a chance, uh, for that in the future, but, uh, he also has merch available at his website, kitsunebonsai.com. Uh, go over there and check it out. Cause Mike has some upcoming zoom classes. Uh, for beginners, it's gonna be $20 per participant. Is there a, a max limit on your participant count? Uh, I don't think so. I, uh, as far as I know, I think, well, actually I do think it's like a hundred people for a regular zoom. Um, but I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not sure on the maximum. So max it out guys, get a hundred people in Mike's class. <laughs> yeah. We would really like that because this is a, a $20 beginner class over zoom. So it gives you kind of the fundamentals. Obviously mm -hmm. we won't be working on a live tree. Um, but it's kind of very affordable to kind of get in, get you, get the general knowledge, the general rules, and build your fundamentals. So, uh, so join us on uh, Mar or February eighteenth. There you go. Yeah, I'm saluting general knowledge and some general knowledge salute. You. I was going to do that. I'm glad you did it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we're over here saluting because it doesn't take anything more than owning a phone. You can have it on your computer. But if you have a phone, please go check out Mike's class. It's 20 bucks. Best 20 bucks you, uh, you spent on learning bonsai basics. Uh, for Carmen, uh, she is one of the co-founders of the Purple Pot Society. Uh, check out the National Women's Bonsai Club at purplepotsociety.org for more information. 
Uh, you can become a Purple Pot Society member, and there is no specification on gender. Uh, you can be a male, you can be female, uh, you know, female pot uh, bone size society, uh, or no specified. You can <laughs> you can support. Uh, it's it's very affordable. I think it's thirty five for the year. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's yep. that's an awesome rate. You get access to classes from uh from women bonsai artists. Uh, you get to attend shows. I mean, I think at the ABS show, y'all have a um, something coming where it's a specified. Uh, yeah, we'll be doing pot. a panel on on women in bonsai at ABS. There you go. That's you, is that, go is that the ABS that's in Austin this year? Uh, Denver. Mm -hmm. Denver. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, we're talking about possibly going. I think I'm going to Denver's ABS this year. So you guys Yay. can uh, come say hey to me and Carmen, Mike, if he, uh, you know, if he's going to go, we'll, we'll talk to him later about that, obviously. Um, yeah. But also, uh, Carmen has a Facebook and an Instagram. Uh, it's best if you go to her Instagram page called Becoming Bonsai and follow her there. Uh, if you want to see her bonsai work at Cartagus or Cartagus, sorry. Um, and then one more mention, we have a Patreon and it's going to be under our new name, which I'm excited to announce, but you can go to our Patreon and become a bonsai bud for $1, just $1. And you can support the show. It does more than you think. Uh, you know, we're over here working on bonsai, working our fingers to the bone. No, I'm just joking. No, uh, but we love bonsai. We want to talk about bonsai. It just supports a little bit. Uh, we'll, we will become your your best bonsai bud for five dollars is one more tier on there but either of those if you mm -hmm. want to submit listener questions uh we will answer your questions on air uh the I, podcast has its oh go ahead mike oh i just had a question um what are the what do the two tiers entail i'm very curious uh one, one says the first one for one dollar uh you will become a bonsai bud and we will we will shout you out oh we do have a patreon <laughs> We have one Patreon. Uh, I had to shout out for this episode. It's going to be great. It's coming up soon. Uh, but we will shout out your name at the beginning of an episode when, as soon as you become a $1 patron. But if you're a $5 Boneside Best Bud, we will shout you out at the beginning of each episode. And if it's your birthday, let us know. We'll even say happy birthday to you. I think that's a good that's a good plan. Sweet. Uh, we'll prioritize your questions. Uh, so become a bonsai pod, uh, bonsai pod, <laughs> bonsai bud. Uh, so, and here's the exciting news. Uh, the podcast finally has merch. Uh, by the time this episode drops, there will be merch at hitsunebonsai.com. Mike will have a separate section. You can go over there. Uh, we'll put a link on our Facebook page that is going to be started. We're going to have a link listed uh, in the comments in our description below of this episode. You can go over there, buy a shirt, support us from there as well. And uh, the shirt designs were made by bonsai friends of mine. So we got some unique, fun designs and also are sporting our brand new label. So uh, the biggest chunk of news here is we are rebranding the show. We're renaming the show to. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Dun, dun, Sorry, dun, dun. that was supposed to be a drum roll. No, there's some, kind of, there's some kind of drum roll or something. Uh, we're rebranding to Little Things for Bonsai People the podcast electric boogaloo yeah. yeah uh little it's things the little things little things it is the little things so yep so if you want to call us little things or just little things for bonsai people that is going to be our new name we had to make change the name because uh it was brought to my attention that uh formerly bonsai southeast which we still have the logo we'll do some uh prints of those shirts just so people can own if they want to they can uh remember that sweet sweet show i had for a little while back uh but no uh it came to my attention that carmen does not live in the southeast so 
Uh, if we're going to include her in our circle of uh, bonsai friends here, uh, we're going to have to be like bonsai Southeast, bonsai Midwest, and which just, yeah, exactly. just doesn't flow. Currently well. bonsai Pacific Northwest. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think for some of the things, you know, we have planned to like bringing in uh, artists from, you know, across all the over. pond and whatnot. Yeah. All over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, it makes more sense to kind of rebrand and go a different route. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like we had formerly on uh, Bonsai Southeast, I had guests in the past. There's some sweet episodes back there. There's one with Jonas Dupuy. There's a, there's a two-part one with Harry Harrington. There's one with a uh, uh, couple of other Bonsai people and artists. And just, just go check them out. I, I don't want to see her name them all off, but you know what I mean. Uh, but if you can't do any of those things that we forementioned, and the exciting news of our name, our rebrand doesn't excite you enough to buy a t-shirt from us, then just go over and please subscribe to our show, follow somewhere on your favorite listening platform. Whether it be, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, I use Stitcher. Stitcher's an awesome free app. If you guys are not using that, it's a great way to uh, organize your podcast as well. Just subscribe and uh, we will show up every time a new episode comes up. Turn on notifications so it dings you whenever we have an episode and you can hear our lovely voices each time. So... Glad we could get through all that. That was a lot of information to put down. Whew. Yeah, it was. Whew, I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm all. I'm getting sweaty. I'm getting. I mean, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm so go, ready go to on. talk about bonsai now. <laughs> no. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So we're going into uh, young versus old material. This was actually uh, something that. Oh, oh, oh! Wait, wait! I had to shout out our our one bonsai bud. Oh yeah! Patreon. Don't forget! Don't forget! Um, did you have a different handle or something? I don't know what you put all your name down as. I don't even know when your birthday is. Uh, I guess what we'll the what we'll the wait for that. Hold on a second. I didn't I'm put plugging. my birthday down, or they no. didn't put their birthday down. <laughs> if if you wouldn't know, uh, we like to play jokes on each other here, and uh, and Carmen is our our first Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Carmen, for supporting the show with your uh, oh, one dollar so donation. That's twelve dollars for the year. Wow! Yeah. Wow! That's that's gonna so go along with you'll get to ask a question once we get to that Ooh, part of the show. You're right. Today's uh -oh. bonsai topic was brought to you by Carmen. So Carmen, can you you're explain welcome. to us um, what today's topic is? Because it was your idea to do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So something that uh, let me get back to the beginning of my thought. Um, so when you and Mike were talking about the things you wish you had known getting into bonsai, there was some talk about um, starting with material that, you know, you didn't necessarily care about or young material so that if you killed it, you know, it didn't really matter too much. Um, and I think that's totally valid. Like, don't, don't get me wrong there. But I was also thinking that I've heard of some folks starting with more mature material. And I myself started on um, mature finished trees. And, um, I think that there was, it was a different way to learn bonsai, I think, than a lot of people do. So I was, um, kind of going back and forth in my brain as to what are the pros and cons of working with, uh, mature material versus young material. And can you learn the same things off of both? Is there a benefit to working with one versus the other mm. um and ultimately i mean like with most of the things and we say is this better or is this better the answer is they're both great but right. we can talk about why those things are absolutely yeah um yeah with when and you're saying that you're work, working on mostly like finished mm -hmm. um trees define yeah. like a uh, finished for the listeners a little bit what, oh what, sure 
Yeah, yeah. So when I started Bonsai, I was working with the University of Michigan and um, uh, managing that collection. So the trees that I was working with weren't, they weren't stock trees, they weren't young plants, they were trees that had been bonsai for a long time. And so it was maintaining the shapes, um, wiring the trees, pruning the trees, repotting the trees um, that had, like I mentioned, already been bonsai for X number of years. And I learned on those trees for probably, I don't know, the first five or more years um, until I got some, you know, young stuff of my own. And um, when I started working with Michael doing his seasonal courses, at that point, I started working with some stock material and I found that it was really different than um, maintaining mature material. It almost felt kind of backwards. So I thought that was an interesting, um, an interesting difference. Um, and I've also noticed that sometimes working with more mature material, something that's been a bonsai for a long time, you get more of a chance to practice your pruning or practice your wiring because there's so much there on that tree. Whereas with young material, sometimes, you know, you're only cutting two branches or you're only wiring one or two things. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to explore that a little bit more. So an older tree is going to grow much different from a younger piece of material from multiple different mm -hmm. standpoints too. Right. Um, we have different degrees of root systems on these two pieces, these types of materials, whether it be an underdeveloped uh, root system on a young stock piece, it might only have like the spokes of like what could be the future Navari and it could develop into a matted old root system of an older bonsai. So I think that's one of the things that stands out to me the most when it comes di differentiating old bonsai stock versus young. Uh, mm -hmm. Youngs, they're, they're just going to have really, really uh, sparse root systems. And what I mean by that is a lot of the stuff too is, well, one of the things that I tell people when I'm starting to work with someone who's brand new to bonsai, I say, what is what is going on with the root system? What the root system looks like? It's a reflection of what the top of the tree is. Um, if it's young, and there's not a lot of branching and there's still a lot of building to do on that bonsai, you are going to build the nabari, build the branches, build the build out that tree one uh, piece by piece with an older piece of material. How do you take an older piece of material and try to re-engineer that older piece of material with a really established root base? So I think that's one of the challenges there um, mm -hmm. when it young versus older material. And that's how I kind of differentiate it. Actually, and actually, that's a that's a really good point. One of the things that I, I like working with both, you know, I really love collected material. I think that's the creme de la creme. Um, but I also will say that working something from the very beginning saves a lot of time. And so people often think like, oh, working with the cutting, working with the seedling, that's going to take too long. But think about how much time goes into fixing flaws when we buy older material especially if it's not bonsai material. If we go to like an old landscape nursery and we buy something that's very, very old, very rarely is it going to kind of be confined to what we're looking for for bonsai. You know, very rarely is it going to have everything we need to make bonsai. So one of our first things that we often do when we get new material and we start training it is we have to cut a lot of stuff off, a lot of quote unquote flaws. And so my, my argument is, 
how fast would you move if you never made those flaws to begin with? If every move you made was just progress forward towards an inevitable design. So then you're not spending years healing old wounds and trying to fix old nasty nabaris and like trying to do all this old stuff. You are working always towards progress. And so what I found, especially with Shohin trees, um, is that I get to completion a lot faster. It's like a tortoise beats the hare kind of thing. As far as like where everybody's trying to heal trunk wounds and whatnot, I kind of soar past that uh, dealing with like a small cutting or a seedling. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's not going to be the same when comparing that to the complexity and like the, the Moshikomi of like an old mature tree. Um, but it is, I do think a valid argument as to why you don't want to just necessarily always go for the bigger, thicker, older material. So oh, for sure. <clears throat> I yeah, think too, on. sorry. I, I think too, maybe more of my point is not necessarily should you build a tree from young material versus old material, but how, when you're learning to do bonsai, can you learn? Mm, um, let me think, can you learn enough technical skill off of a, off of young material as you could off of something that's already mature? I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So sorry, a little bit different than I think. Mm, um, I gotcha. Yeah. Turn it on our teaching brains there for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, no, definitely. No, I would, I would definitely agree. No, you you definitely don't learn as much. Um, one of the things I was always taught uh, to learn in bonsai was immersion. You know, Mm -hmm. you should be as immersed as possible in the hobby. And one of that, a big part of that is finding old mature trees to work on. You know, if you really want to learn bonsai, you really want to learn it, mm-hmm. then you do need to work on mature trees. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. You'll be waiting, you know, 10 to 15 years for that lesson if you're trying to start with something new. Mm-hmm. That's so. the, uh, that's the Japanese way. I mean, you I mean, you're yeah. kind of experiencing that, Carmen, with. Uh, oh, gosh. Your apprenticeship. Yes. Um, right. That's you go in and you go in blind. I mean with you know with knowledge behind you or without and then you just start working on trees that you're like holy crap i'm gonna kill this thing it's <laughs> kind of what people that are unfamiliar with bonsai it kind of mm-hmm. pushes you past that point of fiddling around with younger plants that that are more expen- expendable than obviously than old pieces mm-hmm. that might even be trademark pieces to uh, a culture or a region of bonsai um so and yeah, I think approaching older material and just giving giving someone cheers and saying, all right, you're going to leaf cut this today. You're going to thin it and leaf cut it so that you can get light in there. That's easier to approach on a tree like that, mm-hmm. um, on a super dense tree. Or or you just give them tweezers, say you're going to be plucking buds today. And that's going to that's going to change the motion of the wheels, obviously. Uh, it's going to make them slow down, really take their time and really look at an older piece of material and be much more respectful. Um, at least you would hope, you know, Mm -hmm. um, some people might get overzealous and think they're going to redesign the tree, which is something that, you know, your, 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 uh, teacher or, um, the words escaping me for whenever you're an apprentice, um, your Oyakata, your Oyakata. Oyakata. Yeah, hopefully your Oyakata will, uh, will break you of that habit. Hopefully not break your hands. 
you do something wrong. But uh, no, yeah, if you have good guidance, I think learning on older material is is probably like Mike said, it's probably the best way to do it. Full immersion, you're you're in, you're going hard in the paint for high end quality bonsai, world class style bonsai. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to younger material, um, it makes me think about when people come into the bonsai nursery over here at uh, Underhill, and I have I have a little bit of an immersion feel. Because I do have nicer trees, but I do have a lot of in training, a lot of teaching material type trees. And so what do you tell somebody who comes into the bonsai nursery for the first time and they're like, I want to learn bonsai? Uh, and Mike, you've worked at Weigert's for a good uh, good while, too, down in uh, Fort Myers. So what do you usually tell people like that? Um, honestly, we we usually start them out with a beginner course. And I'm going to be honest with you, the beginner course usually leads you astray, in my opinion, first. Um, Mm. Some of the things it teaches you is, like my idea as as an educator is to teach you as many skills as possible in the shortest amount of time. So we usually start people out, you know, with the old school, go grab a tree, you're going to style it, you're going to pick a style, you're going to wire it out. and then you're basically going to learn how to wire, repot the tree, and do a lot of the things that going forward we're going to say is is incorrect. You know, a lot of my more advanced students, I have to unteach, kind of break down that swing and change everything. I change everything from a triangular, building everything into triangles to building everything into semicircles, you know, is another big one. But one of the reasons I do that is uh, I find that you can give people too much. You can make it too daunting and you can lose a lot of people that could otherwise enjoy the hobby. You know, if they were just kind of, how do I word this? I, and I hate to say this, but if they were kind of coddled a little bit, um, we are not Japanese people. And the Japanese are very, very culturally aware of the fact that when you engage in one of their arts, you're starting at the very bottom. And so I, I take kendo or I used to do kendo, I do iaido now. And one of the things that's different about kendo here versus kendo in Japan is that for the first four to five years, you would never even hold a sword in Japan. You would just work on footwork. And what American is really going to stick with a hobby for that long without seeing some kind of fruition to some kind of results? And so I found a a kind of a gentler approach where I kind of get them into bonsai, teach them how to wire, teach them how to repot. And then if they're still interested, if they want more, then we go down the rabbit hole of like clip and grow of advanced technique, advanced shapes, more Mm -hmm. avant-garde stylings, things like that. But I I don't know. I've spent a lot of time um, teaching this and, and I go back and forth with that, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into beginner courses. And I, th- I think there's a good benefit to giving that beginner, beginner course, because I'm sure you've seen multiple people do the same class again. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they've been before, they'll sit through it again, because hearing it again might just get through this mm-hmm. time. I've, I mean, I've, I've gone through and have repeated myself with uh, techniques and stuff, but it's not a bad thing. Because you're right, Mike, it is a lot of stuff. Um, and keeping them engaged is the most important part. I definitely agree on that. Um, so, for instance, just uh, my experience here, 
Um, I have people come into the nursery and they ask me, so what, so what do I do to get started here? And, you know, suggesting a beginner class is a great thing, but I also, I tell them from my standpoint, buy, buy a bunch of little trees that you like and just grow them. It's kind of like that whole thing where you're like, you only do footwork. I'm like, just take these trees and let them grow. If you can't, if they can't grow, if you can't get them to grow for you and they're suffering and you, and you're not, you're missing watering, you're missing fertilizer. Uh, then you, I don't tell them they don't have, you don't have no business to do a bonsai because you can't keep, but you know, I tell them, keep it alive, keep it healthy, you know, growing the species that you're interested in. Um, and then you will have a tier list of young material that are easy to work with. And there's obvious ones. And then there's less obvious ones that I kind of call like the, the, like the the dream team of bonsai species people will come in looking for like like the flowering uh cherry blossoms and the and the you know the the really really finished looking japanese black pine and i'm like ooh slow down a little bit you know so that that's kind of one one of the things that that is kind of harsh in knowing is like you should go home and try to keep this tree alive first um now in a in a world where you could afford to buy a finished specimen tree, uh, then there that, that kind of changes gears a lot too. Because uh, one of the things I offer here is if somebody wants to buy a really nice, for instance, we have a lot of bald cypress. Um, so we produce a lot of those and then they go out to people's house and then they will have me, or if you're in any other area, like a bonsai professional come help you maintain. Um, and I know Carmen, you're familiar with that type of work. And so is Mike. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's one way, but is that still learning bonsai? Is that still a good immersion enough? You know? Yeah, this is a good point. I guess I'm coming from a place of when bonsai is your career, you have to learn it and you have more opportunities to work with these types of trees, but I guess, yeah, it's, um, really tricky to find that kind of material that you can work with. Um, because right, you don't want to sell somebody a really nice tree if they can't even keep a tree alive. And there's, I've had this conversation multiple times with students of, well, what's the best way to teach bonsai? Because there's the people who are really serious and want all of the scientific horticultural knowledge along with the technique. But then there's the people who just want to know how to repot and wire a tree. And they're going to do that regardless of what you say and their tree will probably die within the first year and they'll be like, Oh, I can't do bonsai and be done. So it's, it's this constant. Yeah. Back and forth of how do you, how do you bring people into it and how do you teach people? And, um, so I, I do think that that's a valid, valid point. That, that is the trickiest part, the teeter totter that we kind of balance ourselves on when we're teaching, um, is how much do you give people? You know, it's a, it's a daunting, daunting art and it takes a lifetime to master it. If, if you even get that far, you know, so it, how do you tell somebody that, how do you tell them that, Hey, you're going to get into this and you'll probably never see the end. Um, you know, I like to kind of get them at least interested into working with the trees, you know, starting to be immersed in the culture a little bit. And over time, they start appreciating more and more aspects of it. A great example is like, I didn't really like Suiseki when I got into bonsai. I didn't get it, mm -hmm. you know, but being uh, surrounded by it and seeing it over and over and over and being immersed in the culture 
made me start to understand it. And through understanding, you start to like things, you know? Uh, so usually once you have context, you start to appreciate things more. So it's, uh, it's certainly something that I value as an educator is, is starting from the ground, uh, building them up with young material, old material, whatever. But, um, uh, it's, it's a, a tricky teeter totter for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm just going back to the resources thing too. I think that's something that, uh, as far as in the ballpark of me and Mike go having resources locally, uh, having somebody that not only provides beginner courses or intensives or opportunities for uh, for learning different techniques, and I think something else that's valuable to to clients that I work with um, is opportunity for tree storage. I think that's another one of the things that kind of deters people from getting young material or an an older tree is, um, oh, I'm going to buy this tree, but I got this trip. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Now, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of like getting into the swing and the understanding and the, uh, and the lifestyle of bonsai. That's another tough part. Uh, we're, we're straight a little bit farther away from the young versus old stock. What would you start with? <laughs> but, you know, uh, we could circle right. back around to it, but I think re that kind of wrapped it up too is like resources, I think is important, but yeah, let's get let's swing it back around to young versus old. So, uh, well, we can each answer this question. It's something in my mind uh, that was that's been kind of going around uh, as we've been talking about this. Is uh, I'll ask you first, Mike. Uh, if you were to walk into a bonsai nursery, which tree are you going for? Are you looking, and from your experiences where you're at, old older tree or younger tree? What do you when you walk in there? What's your first intentions? Um, old, old, old. is definitely yeah. So there's there's a, a concept in Japanese bonsai that's not taught a lot here called moshikomi and so moshikomi is uh, a tree a bonsai tree essentially reaching maturity where any idea of its training is basically worked out of the tree so a tree with moshikomi would be if we saw a pine tree that had uh, plate bark on its branches where the actual branches are now thick with bark um, Not that's moshi Correct. That's yeah. Moshikomi. And that, that is, takes an incredible amount of time. Uh, you know, uh, on some of these pine trees, it's multi-generational. And so those are the trees that demand the, the most respect, the most reverence, you know, those trees that have reached that Moshikomi and, uh, and have that element of age. Cause remember the whole reason that we're supposed to be doing this is wabi-sabi. And wabi-sabi deals with the fact that everything is impermanent, incomplete, and uh, imperfect. And so through understanding that, we understand that everything is impermanent. And so if we can have something last for a long period of time, it's highly valuable. It's highly valuable because it's not going to last forever. So, you know, age is, is trumps everything, in my opinion. Trumps mm -hmm. everything. Trumps cool designs. Trumps everything. Yeah. Um, so Carmen, when you walk into Boneside Nursery, what are you seeking out basically? Definitely something older, um, uh, usually something that has some kind of interest and in maybe a Yamadori or something that's been, um, in a pot for a long time. Again, for those same reasons, um, 
also I just like working with really complex material. So something young isn't going to excite me as much as something that I can really put a lot of wire on or do a lot of pruning on. Um, you bring up a new uh, new term too there, Yamadori. That kind of goes into its own separate category of material, oh, yeah. material as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Mike's mentioning the Mochikome old bonsai. Maybe that mm-hmm. bonsai has been in training for a long time. And like you said, a lot of the a lot of the uh, thing, all the kinks have been worked out. Whereas a Yamadori comes with all the kinks, but also it comes with its own special type of mochikome mm-hmm. that's not trained by hand. Now the question is, should we open that can of worms talking about Yamadori versus no, that's, that's a other oh, that's another topic. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go there. <laughs> uh we're trying to keep our episode links shorter so yeah we can do that one later but yeah okay. there's there's right. a huge difference between yamadori versus young versus old so yeah that's that's it's another both, topic yeah because that's both it's kind of both at the it's same both. time yamadori it is, is one of my favorite ones but we could talk about that because don't get me started or, i mean maybe maybe what i'm looking for is the yamadori that's already been styled too right yes. so it, free, it, could be, it could be that it could be free that. bone something that's yeah but let's uh let's seriously put a pin in that evan because i think that's a good topic for another oh, yeah another episode is we got to talk about yamadori one of these days yeah very yeah. very soon maybe even the next one uh but we'll see we'll, we will see yeah yeah okay. whenever um but yeah in in circling around to me i'll ask myself hey evan what would you look for in a bonsai hey nursery? evan oh. what would you look for in a bonsai nursery <laughs> oh so glad you asked mike I, I didn't know if it was my turn yet i was waiting patiently um no the uh whenever i if i were to go into another bonsai nursery i would be looking around for sort of what a mixed bag of what you guys are looking for uh the yamadori that's got a little bit of work or maybe an older tree i, I like to find an older tree that that has obviously had some work, but there's something I could do at that moment to make a drastic change in its design and then be able to move it in a different direction. Uh, and then also respect the previous bonsai designer, don't bonsai practitioners work in hand. I want to leave a bit of their history behind and then move it forward. Uh, that's kind of stuff I kind of pick out. And also I will go for younger material as well, depending on and this is something I'm trying to refine down at our our nursery here in, at Underhill is starter stock that's not just pencil straight, taperless, boring. We got stuff that's got curves to it. You know, get you pick the litter of good starter shohin, good starter trees that you stick in the ground, stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a there's a that's good. There's a a big lack of actually good starter material out there, and so the more nurseries that can create something fun to start with that's still young and you can still design yourself um that might be one of the reasons why i don't gravitate towards that stuff is because it's it's there's no interest there for me as far as movement or whatever side note how to create another podcast episode topic how to create young stock that would be interesting for future stock I think that's a, that's something I, I really enjoy i like i mm-hmm. i think that's a whole podcast episode oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah. Um, Kind of just touching on that, though, I would say uh, just take young stock and start either cutting it or putting movement in it. Mm -hmm. That's your your two options. That's the rudimentary uh, step to the future topic of that. Um, So, Carmen, since this was your question, is there anything 
uh, you want to explore further with young versus old stock learning bonsai on those, oh, those pieces of material? I don't know. I'm, I'm having second thoughts about this whole topic. <laughs> We're already I a guess, good ways into this. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah, I guess I'm thinking really basically, like when you want to learn wiring, when you want to learn pruning, you're probably just going to learn faster on something that has more branches and more leaves. And um, I agree with that. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just that simple not to, and, but I mean, you just learn different things from whether you're working with something that's mature or whether you're working with something that's young. And I, I think that if you're really into bonsai and you really want to learn I, that whole immersion thing really is important. So working with a teacher who has that kind of material volunteering at a public garden that has bonsai where you can work on their trees, um, just finding your group, you know, your, your club and working with people there who have the, the more you can do it, the faster you'll learn. And that's a, that's a also, that's also a great point, Carmen. And I think I lost the yarn a little bit each time it came to me, but, um, that's all right. But like what I'll that, say, that phrase made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the cat people in the podcast movie here, like just being that dog guy. You know, yeah, like, well, <laughs> you lost the yarn. No, but I mean, I I remember uh, thinking back to when I started at Eric's. You know, it was working a lot on his trees, and I guess I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking of that. But a big part of my training came from wiring out these immensely ramified trees, and you know, wiring them. I mean, he would tell me I'd sit there for eight hours at times, mm -hmm. you know, on these big trees and just wire out uh, a tree. So, um. That's a great point. Like, uh, even in a simpler aspect, just talking about the number of branches to wire on mature material, number of branches to prune, number of branches to kind of maintain the vigor on. Like, uh, there's a, an art to keeping a number of branches. You know, mm -hmm. um, the tree doesn't want to split the energy that much, it wants to find a leader and put it in there. And so, you know, being able to keep healthy ramification is also, uh, a tool that's more easily earned, learned on mature material. Yeah. Yeah. I think the benefit too, is that when you just have one or two young trees, I don't know about you guys, but I get itchy fingers. I just want to cut everything and, you know, pluck everything and do all of the work all the time. And so people just keep going back and picking at it and picking at it until the tree eventually dies. So it's like, if you're going to do little, like young trees, maybe get 20 instead of one, because that That's way you'll always have suggestion. something to pick at. It's <laughs> a great a lot point. Of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And get something actually, that likes to be picked at. That's the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. I actually teach uh, that they should all start with 10, 10, 10 projects, you know, to there make sure go. that they can cycle through them and not get the itchy fingers. So, so I'm not wrong to say when people walk in and they're like, how many trees do I get? And 10, 20, 10. I'm not trying to sell you trees. You know, yeah. I'm trying to tell you how to get into this. And so you don't like Carmen says, don't pick your tree to death. Yeah. Um, trying to keep your trees alive. If right. you're, if you're not feeling overwhelmed, then you're not practicing bonsai correctly. <laughs> well, and I, I also tell them that you're they don't You're not crying have... at the end of the day. You're right. not practicing bonsai correctly. <laughs> yeah. I tell them, you know, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, Sorry. guys. It's okay. You're it's good. just, we're just so funny. Like, so good trees, <laughs> I'll, I'll, while you're thinking, good trees to pick at are azaleas, ficus. Um, mm. God, I can't even remember now. Chojubai, 
oh, Black Piner Fund because you get to pick at them multiple times a year. You just have to pick at them at the right time. If Same we with had junipers. Chichibai, just like in abundance to just like pick at. Honestly, be- <laughs> for tropicals, for tropicals, I would say Premna and Sea Hibiscus will mm-hmm. uh, keep you kind of going. You're always, oh, I'd say every couple of days, I'm snipping mm-hmm. something off of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about how about some Chinese elm? Holy oh man, crap. yeah, oh yeah. During talk the growing a- season, that'll keep you busy. Talk mm-hmm. about a tree there. See, they don't grow as as rambunctiously here. Or maybe the ones that I'm I'm working with are just old enough that they've slowed themselves they've, down a little they've bit. Slowed down, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the young ones a- though are bananas. That totally brings me bananas. back to the thing where I was mentioning older developed trees with more robust robust systems, uh, root systems. They all have more evenly distributed. Uh, energy mm-hmm. and they've also lost vigor so they've uh old trees an important thing to note on old trees is that we can't do the same things that we can do on young trees you know that maybe that's something we should also throw into the episode is that for sure we we honestly always see these like big juniper bends and we see these people do this crazy stuff to material and what we're not told is that the material was either prepped or it was young and mm-hmm. so if the material was prepped, then it was growing for several years to build vigor or several months or however long it needed to build the energy it needed to handle the work ahead. And old trees, you can't take an old juniper or an old elm that's been in a bonsai pot and pruned for 25 years and go and wrap it in raffia and bend it in half. You know, it's not going to have the same results as if you spent the time to plant it out and build vigor into the tree. Yeah. So... That is, that's a valid point too, that I didn't even think about new versus old is that you can with younger material, at least you know, beginners wouldn't know what to do with it, but you can be more aggressive with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can go in with a younger tree, like a young Chinese elm and just bend it into a corkscrew. And then your older guy over there, his living tissue, his branches, everything is just, it's, and it's been pruned a thousand times. So the branches might even have uh hollow heartwood nothing there there might be branches the branches can't even bend like that anymore and that's a that's a good thing to say and you can restore vigor in that tree but then you'll revert it back to its to its formative uh just dense crazy mess of a weed of like type plant well i'm talking about uh talking about chinese elm of course yeah Uh, some other species are different uh but then could and this this would be just another closing comment on it um that i was kind of on my mind a little bit what if we took like an older tree and we grafted younger stock onto it? Could we treat that tree? Mike, you do a lot more grafting than I do. I don't uh, would you think treat so. That differently? No, because the graft vigor is dependent on the tree that it's grafted to. And so like if I graft it to a weak tree, then the graft will be very weak. So mm-hmm. it, you can't, yeah, it won't like transfer over the vigor, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, the recommendation would be to maybe like up pot it a little bit, try to get vigor into the old tree before you were going to do any big work like that. Exactly. So you could, but again, it'd have to be, to be prepped. And I think one of the things I think that the differences between old and young for me that I found confusing as I was learning both is that you use similar techniques on both, but kind of what you're doing, you use them in very different ways. It seems to build a tree versus maintaining a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you have to consider what you think bonsai is or what your goals are in bonsai. Do you want to maintain big old trees? Do you want to build trees? 
where do you fall kind of on that spectrum when you're getting Great into point. it? Because it's, Great again, point. you're wiring little trees, you're wiring old trees, but the way you're doing it and why you're doing it and the amount that you're doing it is totally different. Well, and, and you touched on a great point is some people are just going to be collectors. Yeah. You know, some people aren't going to, aren't going to pursue this to learn how to grow something from the ground up. They're going to mm-hmm. pursue more advanced material. They're going to buy collection trees, specimen trees, and they're going to maintain and work with those trees. And I have a lot of customers, a lot of clients that are specimen only people. They really don't, all they have is a maintenance level knowledge of the trees and they, they don't want to know how to build right. a tree from scratch. You know, they yeah. have no interest in that. And I totally get that. That's a valid point. When, you, when you're dealing with a project that can stand hundreds of years, you know, at what point do you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Like, yeah, what point are you jumping into this tree's life? Right. You're not going to finish it in 20 years. So mm-hmm. if you start in at the beginning, you're only seeing the first 20 years. You know, so Welcome it's to the uh, art of impermanence, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's um, it. Wabi sabi. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. That that's some good some good stuff, guys. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, our Patreon subscriber, uh, Carmen, for that that great question. I would love to know what uh, her handle you're welcome. was. <laughs> I don't I think it's just Carmen. Uh, oh. Oh, 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 is it? Oh, that's boring. I want to go be something find... funny. <laughs> is it, it not? Oh, hold on. I, I got to look it up. I'm going to look you it up. You created your account. I don't know. Um, I don't I don't go. I don't know what it is. So as an interesting close to our episodes, we can uh, I, I think I messaged this to you earlier, Mike. Uh, let's do a, the bonsai word of the day or a bonsai word of the week. Um, we'll take like a, a term that it will help us all kind of learn a little bit um, and also our listeners as well. And just kind of define that word real quick as a as an ending note on each one. Can we do Yamadori since we kind of already brought that up? <laughs> yeah, Yamadori can be the bonsai word of the day. We're not going to go into detail. We're just going to describe what it is and okay. we'll make sure that all the listeners are familiar with the word and we can build uh, our vocabulary here in bonsai. So Yamadori, uh, who wants to who wants to define that word? Not Sorry, I'm still Googling myself. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm just I'm just boring. I'm just Carmen. No, um. <laughs> no, <laughs> great information, Carmen. Boring as ever. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> so, so y- y- Yamadori to me, I, I I will go ahead. Of course, I got to be verbose and I got to like give it this big old thing. Yeah. Um, do you, but do Yamadori, the, do the Mike Lane thing, the Mike Lane thing. You know, uh, Yamadori. I, I have a. I'm a stickler for this because I hear it used all the time for material that uh, shouldn't be called Yamadori, and I know that sounds harsh, but the reality harsh. is the translation is that it's a mountain tree. It is a mountain tree. And so more realistic or a more realistic way of thinking about it is it should be a tree that you cannot grow in your lifetime. So it should be a tree that grew in, a, in conditions that grew the tree so slow that if you were to try to repeat those efforts, it, you wouldn't live long enough. That's mm-hmm. the point of Yamadori is, is hunting down these environments that grow these trees into dwarfed trees and so why are they so valuable because you have old wood that now will last hundreds of years mm-hmm. so yamadori I, i'm a firm believer mountain tree or similar like trees excellent definition not, not just the not just the dug up tree the uh, we're gonna make a whole vocabulary book I'm, i will go verbatim 
and like write down what each of us give for definitions. <laughs> Mike, you get that one because you were so you were you were like so ready to answer that one. But it's, I'll get, it's something I think about a lot. <laughs> I'll get the next one, buddy. And guess what? We'll we'll do Yamadori next episode just for you. If we don't have any guests coming up, we'll do Yamadori next. I think. Yeah, um, we should. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, very good. That so would then, be cool. what, what would you call what would you call a tree you pull out of a swamp? Uh, a numandori. No, I would still. I it depends because well, some I, of those environments, like if I may, Numa, because Numa means swamp in Japanese. And if I'm not ah. saying it right, and I, I thought I was clever doing this, doing uh, Google Translate. But anyway, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Mike. Yeah, y- Yamadori <laughs> could be swamp or field or forest collected. Okay. But that this is for another episode. Okay, you sorry, want, sorry. Don't want to spoil the listeners right. too much. All right. But anyway, right. he's so he wants to talk about Yamadori so bad. So tune in next time. Uh, this was episode. I hope I didn't say the wrong episode number, guys. I'm so sorry. Now that I think it was changed, 45. Episode 45. No, wait, scratch that. 73. No, stop, yeah, I think it was 69. Guys. 11. Stop. No. 24. I, I got it right the first time. This was episode 15. Young young versus old. I think old you said 16. Oh, yeah, I, thought I thought he said 16. <sighs> this was episode 16. Yeah, last one was 15. This was an episode of Little Things. Yeah, this was... <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to close this out on this one, Carmen? Go ahead. Yeah, Carmen's no, got a great a great podcast voice. Yeah, I've been told that it's very NPR. So go ahead. Take, oh, us, take us away, Carmen. Oh, no, I'm nervous. I can't do it. You do it. <laughs> no, no we'll, we'll wait. This has been an episode of Little Things for Bonsai People. Excellent. <laughs> That was great. See everybody. Yep. Bye. See you next time.